here today. We're going to go ahead and reading uh, in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, this is 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. This is going to be verses 1 through 10. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 10. Here's a second. Um, and this will be reading from the, the New King James Version. I know Brother Brian just mentioned, I do agree with some of those translations that they do kind of miss on some of the ones that it says here. It says a little bit clearer, kind of close to it. Uh, but it says, we're going to be reading here, it says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you, you, sell, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety! Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, him talking to the church at Thessalonica, talking to the church, you church, you brethren are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alive or we're dead, we should live together with him. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about the topic of no time for sleep. No time to sleep. Can we put our Bibles down? Let's lift our voices. Let's lift our hands unto him and pray for the next part of this service. Heavenly Father, we pray as we move into the next portion of this service, I pray that you would touch our minds and our hearts. I pray that we would take every thought into captivity and we would focus on what the word has here today, what you want to say. I pray that you would anoint me as I speak your word, Lord God. Let your spirit reign supreme in this service. I pray let's be sensitive to your spirit and what you want to say and what you want to do in the church here today. Reign supreme, we pray in the in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands unto him one more time. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. Be, be sober. Let's watch and be sober. The dictionary defines sleep as a condition of body and mind that typically occurs for several hours, some of us not so many hours, uh, every night in which the nervous system is relatively inactive. The eyes are closed, the postural muscles relax, and consciousness practically suspended. Now, I don't know about all of you, but I myself enjoy a nice, uninterrupted, fulfilling 60 to 90 minute nap. A good nap. Any less than that time, and I start, uh, I, I wake up and I feel more tired than when I started out. And then anything more than the 90 minutes, then I'm a bear to wake up, as my wife can attest to. But if she doesn't wake me up, I'm going to have no sleep for that night. It's best of my whole sleep schedule. I don't know also if it's genetic or not, but my eldest child also enjoys a good night's sleep. 
And whether it's sleeping in late in the morning or taking a nap in front of the fireplace, she loves getting that sleep. And I'm, I'm, I believe this morning that I would be hard-pressed to find at least someone that doesn't enjoy their night's sleep. And probably most of us, especially the ones with new babies here, would enjoy a little more sleep than they had at the very beginning. So while we may enjoy our sleep, we enjoy the process of it, and it's a, it's a vital necessity to our bodies and to our good, uh, good health. Our natural sleep is, is good, but as it comes, as in the first Thessalonians, as it come, relates to the coming of the Lord, we cannot be caught sleeping this morning. We must do, as Paul said in our opening text, he said, watch and be sober. In the NLT, that says, be on your guard. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Let's not be uh, lackadaisical about it. I personally have, uh, have never been in the military. I know we have several in this room that have. Um, I've watched various documentaries that talk about war and that talk about battles and, and, and the, the formations and what it's like being in that troop. But one of the things that I, I do recognize when being in those is that if you're in the enemy territory, you're on a mission, and you're not at home base, the enemy better not catch you sleeping. They better not catch you sleeping because if they catch you sleeping, it's over. It is over. That's why they sleep in shifts. They have someone who's called on guard. That person is watching out for everyone else. They can get their rest, but there's always someone that's watching out for the enemy because they don't know what side it's going to come from. They don't know what attack it's going to be, but they're going to be on guard. Just like that, as being in the military, we as, as Christians have to be on guard. We, in these last days, we cannot be lackadaisical and sleep. The church, God wants the church to know as it relates to his coming, we don't have time to be lax. While we may not know the day or the hour, I can tell you what, it's coming soon. <laughs> it's coming soon this morning. We have to be full of the Holy Ghost and with his spirit. We have to make sure that we have oil in our lamps. We have to be full of his spirit. So when the, when the rapture comes, boom, we are ready to go. We have no time to be asleep this morning. We can't be like the five foolish virgins that many of you know the, the scripture, but the, Jesus talks about in the parable in Matthew 25. This is a reading. It says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise. Five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Whatever they had, it was burning probably when they got there. Like, okay, we have enough. But while they were waiting, it burned out. The wise took oil with them in their vessels and with them in their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Let's go out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your, uh, give us some of your oil, right? For our lamps are going out. The wise answered saying, no, lest there should be not enough for us. And you go rather sell what you have and buy some oil for yourselves. So they went and bought. But when the bridegroom came, those who were ready went with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came along saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. He ends it all saying this. I was, I was reading some of the commentary talking about this, and they, the commentaries were saying most Christian theologians believe that this was talking about the second coming of Jesus. And I was like, yeah, I, I would agree, because he says it in the next verse here. The next verse says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. 
The Son of Man in their time was already there. But when he died, that wasn't the end of it. When he died and went down into that tomb, was hung on the cross, that wasn't the end of it for us. He rose again and is coming a second time. And he's telling us, watch and be sober. Because the Lord is coming this morning. Church, the Lord, as I mentioned, is coming back soon. And we must be ready. We must be looking forward. Amen? Looking forward. Throughout the Bible, you can see that the, if you would call it the DNA, perhaps, of, of God is, is forward only. There's no reverse in God. There's no looking back. Now, I know God exists outside of time. We, we can't put God in a time bubble and say, he, no, he's outside of time. But in his relationship with man, he urges for forward motion. He urges for forward looking. Amen? The Bible uses such words as more, as he uses words as greater, as forward, higher, deeper, passion, drive, reaching, stretching, pressing, hunger, and thirst. These are words that relate to the Christian life as we strive for more of him this morning. These are words that express the attitude of God when it comes to a Christian life. I believe that the sentiment of this Christian life, of moving forward, of, of staying awake, it can be expressed in this one scripture, which is in Exodus 14, 15. This, this verse in Exodus 14 is when the children of Israel have just been delivered from Egypt. They've just come out. God has delivered them. Pharaoh's had all the plagues that come against them. They've come out, and they're just rejoicing. Everything is wonderful, and they come to the Red Sea. They come to something that in their natural minds, they don't know what's going on. They don't know how they're going to get past it. They look behind them, and there's Pharaoh coming right for them. Now, at this time, I can believe the Israelites, which it mentions in there, they're like, why did you bring us out here? You just brought us out here to die. And they're saying that to Moses, Moses, what are we going to do? In Exodus 14, 15, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. He told them to go forward and then tells them how he's going to do it. He said, tell them to go forward and to, when they go forward, raise your rod and I will split the Red Sea and you will walk on dry land. Notice he didn't tell the children of Israel, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Moses is going to do this and then he's going to part it. And then, no, he says, go forward. He says, go forward. Sometimes we don't understand when God's asking us what to do. He says, hey, I want you to go. You say, well, how? How am I going to do this? What am I? No, go forward. He asked that of us, and then we pray. So, okay, God, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm stepping out in faith because that I'm going to put my faith into action. And when I put my faith into action, God provides. God provided. Just like he provided the children of Israel, he will provide for our lives when we step out in faith. But we have to be awake for it. We can't be in a spiritual slumber. We have to be awake. He's the church. The Lord is calling us today. Say, there's no time to stay where you are and sleep. You must go forward. Someone shout forward. I feel that the church today, like I said, is feeling just like those Israelites do sometimes. They feel like Moses had probably lost his mind at that point. <laughs> Wore out physically, mentally, emotionally, exhausted. They felt like the multitudes are feeling today. Sometimes the church can feel tired. The church can feel drained by all the attacks from society that's on Christianity as a whole. 
For the world in the U.S. trying to be accepting, if you stand for something in Christianity, it's amazing how much pushback you get against that because it's for your religion. How we're supposed to be accepted? Well, not that because you're not accepting that. I'm just reading what God's word says. I'm just following what God's word says. I'm standing on the word, and the world doesn't like that because the flesh doesn't like God's word because it's contrary to what we want to do. Just like the children of Israel, they, they needed someone to kind, of, to kind of back them up. Everyone heard the straight phrase, everyone needs like a, a cheerleader in your life. Someone's like, you know what, you can do this. You can, you can keep going on. You can push on. Someone who encourages you to, to push on when it feels like the odds are against you or you feel that you can't make it. But let's be honest, sometimes we don't want the cheerleader. <laughs> sometimes we just want to sit and wallow and say, nope, don't talk to me. I am not about it. Just let me be mad. Just let me be mad right now. I am comfortable where I am. You don't want to be happy. We don't we just want to sit down and mope, be the old guy that's on, the, that's on his front lawn. Get off my lawn. Don't, don't mess it up. <laughs> we want to be upset for a while. And those are normal feelings that all of us are going to feel at some point in time. I'm not saying that those feelings are invalid. Not at all. We can feel like I just... I just can't take it anymore. But I'm here to tell you, you can't stay in that slumber. You can't stay there. You can visit it. We're going to visit it because life is going to get hard. Life throws things at you that you didn't expect to be. But you can't stay there. You can't stay in that slumber. It's the mindset of I don't want to be, I don't want to move forward. I want to stay here. I'm comfortable. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous because the enemy likes to kick you when you're down. When your guard's not up, that's when he can attack you more. That's when he's like, you know what? They're not even really doing so. I can add more to them. No, that's not the case. We can't stay there this morning. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. A great example of the danger of staying there is actually explained in the, uh, in the book, the classic, sure many of you have read it, called The Pilgrim's Progress. It's a wonderful told allegory of a Christian's walk with God. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's an easy read, um, especially if you have what I have, which is called the Little Pilgrim's Progress, which is meant for younger people and those like me that can't understand everything that's in the main one. <clears throat> it's like reading the NLT after you have the King James Version. It's what it is. But in the Little Pilgrim's Progress, Christian, who's the main character, aptly named, uh, is, tra- is traveling with his uh, companion, Hopeful on their journey to the celestial city. And they meet against one of the main enemies in the book, which is the enemy of sleep. I just want to read you a a short excerpt there because it pins it so well. It says, They came a little later in the day to the part of the plain that was called the Enchanted Ground. It was a very pleasant place, so sheltered by the hills, and the, the air was always soft and warm, so comfortable. The streams flowed gently along the breeze, scarcely stirring the leaves of the trees, and everything around it seemed quite happy. But the meadows on the side of either of the way of the king were not fenced in like those in the Valley of Peace. There were no boundaries there. There's no fences to keep the enemy away. Therefore, it was not safe for pilgrims to lie down and rest in them. The servants of the wicked prince were often hidden among the rocks and bushes. And when travelers were foolish enough to sleep there, they were almost surely to be robbed or if they were not carried away altogether. Oh, dear, exclaimed Hopeful presently. I am so sleepy. My eyes keep shutting every minute. Do let us sit down and rest for a while. Not here, said Christian. And he sees Hopeful's arm and said, Hopeful, Hopeful, are you forgetting that this is the enchanted ground? 
Well, replied Hopeful drowsily, there's no one here to hurt us. What I'm doing is not going to hurt anybody. I will only stay a few minutes, Christian. Don't, don't wait for me. And he threw himself down on the grass. But Christian quickly pulled him up again, and this time it shook him violently. What are you thinking about, he said. Don't you remember what the shepherd told us? He did not rest until Hopeful was thoroughly awakened, and the little pilgrim was frightened at the thought of danger. What should have I done if I had been alone? I am sure I would have fallen asleep and never, I had never felt so tired in my whole life. What did the shepherd tell us? He said there's going to be times in your life where it seems easy just to lay back, just to rest, just not worry about the things of God, to just have a little sleep, a little slumber on your way to the celestial city. And what would happen, as Christian wondered, what would happen if I was alone? And there was no one there to wake me up. What if I just laid down and we didn't have a preacher or a friend or a confidant or a brother and sister in Christ that said, hey, wake up. He's coming. The city is just right there. You need to keep going. God is saying, don't give up here. Don't give up this morning. Just hold on a little longer. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Joshua says in Joshua 13, 1, when Joshua was old, advanced in years, the Lord said unto him, you are old and advanced in years, and there remains so much land to be possessed. You did a good job. You're old, but there's more for you to do. There's more that needs to happen. There is much spiritual territory that belongs to the children of God, I believe. There is territory that the enemy has moved in and it become a squatter. <laughs> and unlike in the U.S., the devil doesn't have squatter rights in our lives. The devil doesn't have squatter rights to remain in our lives as Christians. If we didn't know God, if we didn't have anything, fine, he can reign supreme. But in a Christian's walk and following after God, he has no rights to be there. Amen? There is spiritual territory that we need to take back. We need to be like the angels of Ezekiel 1 and 12 that were seen. It says, <clears throat> and each one straightforward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go. Wherever the Spirit led them, that's where they went. They did not turn out when they went. That's what the Lord's saying. Get up, lead, be led by the Spirit. Get up, keep moving, get in gear. You're not home yet. <laughs> you may be comfortable here, but you're not home yet. You can't afford to get caught sleeping. Amen? As I said, I know a lot of us can be battle-weary. I know we've listened from wisdom from the pews, many of the testimonies of the people that are in here. So I'm not saying that we haven't fought some battles. Amen? We fought some battles. <laughs> you all have fought some battles in the Lord and in your times of walking along. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not diminishing them. I'm saying sometimes it feels that our efforts, even that when you are fighting, they don't seem to make a difference sometimes. That every move, but just to remember this morning, every Right, every movement you make in the right direction keeps the kingdom of God advancing. Every prayer that you make, every testimony that you give, every hallelujah, Lord, every day you fast, amen? We're just coming off this fast. Every time you quote a scripture, that scripture comes to mind, you quote that scripture. Every time we clap our hands in faith, every seed that we sow, every time you speak in tongues, you're fighting back against the hordes of hell. 
because it's saying, you know what? I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. I'm not giving the devil a chance. I'm not giving the world a chance, amen? I'm going to keep pressing forward, keep doing the things that God wants me to do. We should never think that we have arrived, amen? Sometimes the, it, it, think of it's like, you know, you, you've experienced the new birth, and many of us have. We've repented, we've, we've been baptized, and we have the Holy Ghost. We've, dated, we've made it, yes, amen, you've experienced the new birth. But there's more for us. Amen? The Spirit has gifts that can be building inside of us. We can be flexing those spiritual muscles, working and walking in faith. We never believe that we've just arrived or we plateaued. From the day you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive that new birth, it's an upward climb unto glory. From glory to glory. Wider rivers to be crossed, higher mountains to be climbed. Amen? And there is no place to turn around. For from the days your new birth, I said, is an upward journey. This Christian life, as many of you well know, it's not for the timid, and it's not for the fearful. I'll say that again. It is not for the timid, and it is not for the fearful. It is a life to be lived boldly and fearlessly. Genesis 26, 13, when it's the Bible speaking of Isaac, it says, uh, and the man, which is Isaac, the man waxed great and went forward, and he grew until he became very great. Notice here that Isaac became very great by moving forward. He went forward, and as he continued, he got greater in the things. Forward, that, as I mentioned before, that forward was not an accident. You cannot, you can slide back. We call it back, you can slide back effortlessly. It takes not much, not much uh, effort to just let everything go, just let it all be lax. But going forward has intention. That's why I said each and every one of you here this morning, you made a conscious decision to be in the house of the Lord. It's not by accident that you just showed up to this service. You may say, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to hear what the word of God has for this this morning. Amen? As I said, the... There's a quote that's out there that said, uh, God is waiting us to, when we move forward, God is waiting on us to put the super on our natural. If we step out in faith, he who can make it supernatural. But we have to work in the natural. We have to work in that, and God can do the work. If he's willing to move, and we are willing to move if we are in his spirit, walking after and stepping, as I mentioned, in faith. In faith, we cannot be asleep. This means to me that we have to do the natural. He will do the supernatural. But that supernatural faith, it has something that words goes to it, and that's push. Faith has push. What do I mean by that? I mean that it takes action. Somebody said that I'm just waiting for opportunity to knock at my door. I'm just waiting for opportunity to knock. Well, most doors can be opened sometimes by pushing more than just waiting for a knock. <laughs> and I know there's such a thing as waiting on God. I'm not dismissing that. We've talked about waiting in the, on the Lord, and I'm not talking about that. That's speaking of a lifestyle of, of, of uh, communion and fellowship and depending on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord for my next meal. I'm going to wait on the Lord for what he's given me. No, no, no. This is speaking about living with your hands folded and waiting for God to bring everything to you. No, we're going to go out in faith. The woman with the issue of blood, what'd she do? She pushed. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be saved. Bartimaeus, he cried out for his sight. Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, but he climbed the tree. He went after Jesus. He said, you know what? I have to see him. I can't just wait here and let the crowds, well, maybe I, he'll come to me. Sometimes Jesus does come to us, but we have faith to go after him as well. 
The Syrophoenician women, woman went after the deliverance for her daughter. Jairus went after Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead. The widow whose son died rushed to Elijah to restore life to her son. And the desperate leper fell at Jesus' feet and asked for healing. We have some of that bold and aggressive faith that'll wake you up. <laughs> you can't be asleep by using faith because you're not, you're not activating, you're not using and walking faith. That can make sure that we are awake in God. James 2.20 says, but wilt thou know, O vain man, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. I'm going to say to you that secret ingredient of faith is that push, saying, God, I may not be the children of Israelites. I may not know what you want me to do, but I'm going to go ahead and move and push in faith. That master key to the Christian life is faith. And it may not sound like a, like a big deal, but sometimes it takes a lot of faith just to keep moving, just to not asleep, amen? <laughs> Just to keep one step after the other, it takes a lot of faith with the, the trials of life and the pain sometimes that we feel in your body and say, God, I'll know how much more of this I can take, but I'm going to step out in faith one after the other. If you ask me today, what was the key to the great deliverance of those Israelites at the Red Sea? It was because they did move forward. I believe if the children, if, if the waters were parted, if the Israelites were scared that the water would have closed in on them, I don't know if, I don't know if they would have saved them or not. Because <laughs> they were right there because they were disobeying what God asked them to do. But they didn't. They didn't feel like it, but they kept moving. They didn't make sense at the time, but they kept moving. They were afraid, I'm sure but they kept moving. They were tired, but they kept moving. They, were, they felt like quitting, but they moved forward. And I'm sure, of course, as I mentioned, they were frustrated, but they kept moving. I can tell you personally from the word of God, many times keep moving can be the difference between life and death. It can be. Because if you stay still, if you just stay where you are and say, I'm not going to move from this place. I'm not going to move into the things that God has for me. It can remain sedentary. Sedentary things, things that are not moving, don't have life only in them. You have to inform the devil this morning, guess what? I'm not dead. <laughs> amen. I'm not dead this morning. You may have been knocked down. Amen. You may have been knocked out, but you still have breath in your body. If you have breath in your body, you can have a praise on your lips. The praise is our weapons of warfare. When we praise, we can overcome things that are in our life because it's taking the focus off of us and saying, God, you are great. <laughs> God, you are wonderful. I know my situation going on, but I got a praise which is going to be my sword. I have a praise which is going to be my sword of deliverance. And I have a sword I can fight the devil. I can fight these thoughts that are going on in my mind. If you can fight, you still have a chance. It's when you drop the sword that you start losing. Because a fighting man is not a sleeping man. A fighting man is on guard. A fighting man is ready to go to battle. Not just for myself, but for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Because we have to take others with us, amen? That's what the Bible said. It said that the fields, Jesus said, the fields are white for the harvest. You say, oh, there's just a couple more months. We have some time. The Lord's saying, no. <laughs> Actually, no, there's not much more time. The time is now. The time is here. The time is coming. Tell the church to wake up. Tell the church I'm coming. Tell the church. 
I'm almost here. Keep moving in faith. Keep walking in faith. Some of you might ask this morning, well, how do I know if I am spiritually asleep? Right? I'm here, right? I made it, <laughs> which is awesome. I'm not diminishing that at all. But how do we know if I'm spiritually asleep? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. It was a great question because it actually relates to one of the many characteristics of sleep. So one of the characteristics of a sleep is you don't know you were asleep until you wake up. You didn't know you were asleep until you wake up. We've all done this. We've sat down for a minute, maybe watching a show, maybe just reading or whatever. And uh, we, we see that we're relaxing. We close our eyes and then we open them and like two hours has passed. We're like, I just blinked. All it was was a long blink. And I'm sure all the dads in here can communicate with us that we were not sleeping. We were just resting our eyes. We were taking, I thought my favorite ones, we were just taking long blinks. I'm just doing a long, and then they're like, yeah, you're between your blinks, like minutes are passing. You're asleep. Sometimes it's not until we get alone with God and get a refreshing of the Holy Ghost, that we give ourselves completely over, that we realize, I have been so dry. <laughs> I have been so dry in you, Lord. I have been missing out on the things of you, God. Until I get that refreshing, I didn't know I was asleep. I didn't know I was asleep. This morning's a chance to say, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to get that refreshing this morning. I'm not going to be asleep any longer. I've been asleep long enough. We realize we've been sleep, asleep spiritually for too long. There's two other characteristics of natural sleep, and that is the things you do in your sleep you would not do when you're awake. The things you do in your dreams, the things you do in your sleep, you would not always do if you're awake. Our dreams prove this, whether it's unexpressed fears or wishes, and I'm sure Sigmund Freud and all the you know, philosophers or you know, what people would say about your dreams. But bottom line, sometimes the things that we do in our sleep, if we were awake, we would never do any of those things. If we start seeing ourselves falling to those old temptations, if we sometimes feel ourselves being burdened more and being more susceptible to sin that's coming on our lives, like, what? I, would, I would normally never do this stuff. What am I doing? You're spiritually asleep. We're spiritually asleep because we're doing things we wouldn't normally do if we were awake, if we were watching and being alert and saying, God, what do you have for me? The third thing is <laughs> we also hate the sound of an alarm. We hate the sound of an alarm. Would anybody here love to be woken up by, uh, from a deep sleep, say at 2 a.m. by an alarm clock? And I'm not talking one of those, ding, ding, ding. no, 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 not those soft tone, nice phone alarm clocks. I mean the old metal ones, bell on each side, hammer in the middle, ding, 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 ding. no. Yeah, that one, that's correct. Those ones. Those are not pleasant to be woken up to. Our body doesn't want to be woken from our sleep. It is an irritant. It, it, it causes us discomfort. We want to go back to sleep. We don't want to hear it. Sometimes our flesh doesn't want to hear what the word of God says. Sometimes our flesh doesn't want to hear what the preacher is talking. It says, who does he think he is preaching that, that word of God to me? That, I don't like that. Yeah. That's the point. Our flesh doesn't always like the word of God, but guess what? It's still the word of God. 
That's what it's meant for. It's meant to conflict our, our flesh. It's meant to contradict our flesh and bring us into a right relationship with God. But if we're spiritually asleep and someone is sounding the alarm that says that God is coming and our flesh goes, I don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't want to know that. You're asleep. You're asleep this morning. There's no time to be asleep because the Lord is coming soon. How do we know from the word of God if we, we don't have that ambition, that faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. It's meant to, to hurt our flesh because it's pointing out our inadequacies. It points out our flaws, that we are our weak spots. Ever, ever be reading the Bible and you get to a verse and you're like, ooh, that stinks. Ooh, Lord, I, mm, I'll, I'll skip over that reading. We're going to go, I'm not going to ignore that scripture because it's something that hurts our flesh. And that's the point. If we're continually at odds with the Bible, if we're continually at odds with our pastor, if we're continually at odds at the preacher that's preaching the word unto us, that could be a symptom that we're spiritually asleep this morning. And we got to wake up. <laughs> because the preacher, our pastor, all the ministers of this, of this church, they're trying to sound the alarm that says God is coming soon. God is coming soon. Soon, and we don't make it to say to to make a fear inside you. There shouldn't be fear. If there's fear, that's something else that's going on. Because we should be excited that the Lord is coming. It should be we're going to be absent from this earth to be present with the Lord. So if we're scared of Him coming back, maybe we're a little on the snoozy side. Maybe we are a little on the sleep side. Because say, Lord, I know if you came right now, I don't know if I'm ready or not. If those thoughts go through our mind, we need to be woken up. We need to be waking up. On the day of judgment, every man will have to give an account of himself to God. Every single one of us. The things that we've said and things that we've done. And we will be accountable to what we know. We can't claim ignorance. Just like today, law, ignorance of the law is not an excuse. We know. I know. <laughs> I know too much. <laughs> I know too much to turn around. I know too much to be asleep. Because the Lord is coming soon. James 4, 17 says, therefore to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. To him that knows to do good and consciously chooses to do not, to him it is a sin. The Lord is coming. Just like John, ba John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus, he was sounding the alarm that someone is coming, the Son of Man is coming. We are here today to say, guess what? The Son of Man is coming again. He came one time, but he's not gone. He's coming back again this morning. Can we stand and give a hand clap to the Lord? Hallelujah, Lord. We look forward to your coming, Lord. We look forward to your awakening. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. If our praise singers can come ahead and come and our musicians come. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I read an article and when, when looking and, and studying for this message, it talked about some of the signs I think that are very appropriate it's to talk about if the church is spiritually asleep. What are some, some signs that they're spiritually asleep? And some of these hit so hard because it's so true. It says that there's an absence of conviction of sin. The church is asleep. If there's a lack of the fear of God, come so cold to it a sign that we're asleep if there's little sense of outrage over the godlessness of society if that just doesn't hey, why this pushing against God 
we could be asleep. If there's, if there's watching of pornography and it's feeling that they're justified in doing it, the church is asleep. If there's avarice and greed and lack of financial integrity in the church, the church is asleep. If there's little or no concern about people going to hell, I'm sure all of us have family members. All of us have friends. If we don't tell them, we don't sound the alarm. If there's little or no concern about the lack of knowledge of God's word and what his word says, is there no concern for the things of what the word says that could be asleep? If we're little or indifference about holding grudges or unforgiveness to our brothers and sisters in Christ, there could be sleep in the church. If there's no indifference to talking to people about Christ, it could be asleep. If there's no indifference to teaching that the word of God is infallible, that this is the word that we're going to follow, it could be asleep. And finally, if there's no indifference to the amount of time that is spent in prayer and fasting, there could be sleep in the church. God's telling us this morning, I want you to wake up. If you feel you've been asleep, I want you to wake up. These should not be symptoms of a Holy Ghost-filled Christian, but someone that is spiritually asleep. And I close with this. In Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, are we reading from the NLT? Because I feel the NLT makes it plain sometimes. It says, this is all the more urgent, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. You know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up! For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of light, right living. Because we belong to the day. We belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge evil desires. Don't even think about how I would do this. Put away those things that are evil. Put away those things that are dark. Put on Jesus this morning. This morning, each and every one of us have an opportunity to do that this morning. I'm going to go ahead and invite, open the altars here this morning. If you want to walk as an act of faith, even if it's not saying do a, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've been walking this faith, even if you want to do a, a health checkup to see, hey, is the alarm sounding in my life? Is the alarm sounding? Am I awake this morning? Lord, I want to be full of your spirit. And if you haven't received the spirit this morning, if you've never experienced the new birth as it's written in the Bible by repenting of your sins in faith, saying, God, I turn away from these sins. I want to be baptized in your name. And I want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can do that here this morning. This gift is for everyone that calls. So I invite you this morning as the praise singers sing, 
as the music plays, I invite us to come do a health check. I invite us to come say, Lord, I want to make sure that I'm awake in you this morning. I want to make sure that I'm here, Lord. Hallelujah. Would you come? Would you come this morning and cry?